Hello and thanks for tuning in to Pie Hard, the podcast that takes an offbeat look at the Collingwood Football Club, the most relevant sporting club in Australia. At Pie Hard, we're about providing an alternate commentary on the firm with a focus on the stories and characters that make Collingwood so revered, so loathed, and above all, so loved. On this week's pod slash group therapy session, we reveal the Magpie's most important signing. We discuss the need for a youth policy and find out who your favourite 50 games or less Magpies are. This is Pie Hard. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. One's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. He's going to have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut shutter. Now, I think we might have to start this podcast with some uh, breathing exercises because it's been a hell of a fortnight in Pyland. Combination of cold weather, insipid football, Injuries, as we're as we're just learning, form slumps, and forty-eight hours of doom scrolling on Twitter sees the Collingwood Football Club one and three and facing its own existential crisis. I'm Damian Miller, and joining me for our fortnightly therapy session is uh, Mr. Alex Watkins. Alex, welcome. Thanks, Damian. We promised bickering disgust if um, we happen to uh, coincide with the Collingwood loss, and um, well, let's see what comes. But um, if we thought 2020 was hard to stomach. Imagine being three wins behind Melbourne at any stage of the season. We've got one in the clip, one in the chamber, and we're about ready to start popping off, I think, on this one. This could be a fiery one. We're not sure. Maybe it could be. A, maybe maybe we're past that. I don't know. It's always mm. fun doing these. Maybe if we recorded this one late on a Saturday night, it would have a distinctly different tone. We say that every week. But look, let's dive into it. I think, first of all, I'm loving the uh, the the group therapy vibe that we've got going on at the moment. I feel like this is quite cathartic. Mm-hmm. And I hope our listeners out there are feeling the same way. Um, lots to get off our collective chests. Mm. And uh, we should probably start where we always start an episode of Pie Heart, and that is with our our favourite first up segment, um, which is our nostalgic glance back at the uh, last fortnight exploring the good and bad. Uh, the segment is, of course, uh, hard yes and hard no. Mm-hmm. So let's go into the hard yeses. What was your hard yes for the last fortnight. Look, I trolled through the um, the KO Mini of the last couple of games just to kind of recap on some of the torment. And um, surprise, surprise, I couldn't find much yes to say about it. So I'm going to call out the AFLW team. Um, our women's team played in the prelim. They played with pluck, courage, with attacking flair throughout most of the season, in fact. And ultimately, mm-hmm. they just fell short. But look, coming from absolutely nowhere, being pretty much a um, a rabble since their inception, to come into a prelim this year, I thought was a terrific effort. So this is a hard yes to the girls. Well done. Well done to the girls. And we look forward to those guys coming back uh, bigger and better next year. My hard yes is uh, on a similar vein. It's, it's the VFL returning this weekend. So mm. we've been starved of, um, you know, that 
kind of uh, local level football here at Pie Hard, getting down to Vic Park with um, some hot chips and a couple of cold cans mm. and watching the next generation. Now, playing the kids is a, a bit of a theme you're going to hear a lot on today's pod. Uh, the name of the pod is, of course, Youth Policy. Uh, and I think in this instance, what I'm really looking forward to with the VFL returning is not going down to Vic Park and watching the kids. Hopefully, no. it's going down and watching the veterans. Ah. So we're going to start a hashtag uh, called Play the Vets. Now, I think this <laughs> should be good. really focused on, and Nathan, we know you're listening because you love Pie Hard. This should really be about getting just some of the older heads in the, in the, in the Collingwood football team, the seniors at the moment, just bringing them back. To VFL level, it's it's great to go down there and see those guys running around uh, in their final season. So let's celebrate them. I think that could be a, a, an interesting thing. Hashtag play the vets. Don't want to get your hopes up too far, Demo. Matt Scharenberg won't be playing. <laughs> Still reeling. Still reeling. Too soon, Alex. Too soon. He is playing. Isn't he playing in Alinda or something? Is he? Is he still in Melbourne? Do, oh, I don't know. We should do a terrace talk. We should find Matt Scharenberg. If anyone knows where Matt Scharenberg is. He's not, re- he's not responding to any of my emails. Can you please get in touch? <laughs> let, it, let us know. We'd love, to, uh, we'd love to chat to Matt. We love Matt. We miss Matt. Do you we think? wish Matt was still around. I was thinking after the last couple of weeks, like at what point can you try to like enjoy the season for, what, for the AFL? Like at what point can you kind of step back and go, you know, footy's the winner this year. Let's just enjoy as almost kind of neutral supporters. We'll watch other teams and feel good about that. Of course, that's never fucking happens. Like mm. the bitterness just kind of bleeds into your bloodstream. Boils. You, yeah, it just simmers, doesn't it, beneath the surface. But someone on social suggested we should get along to the VFL and I was wondering, do you think that embracing the VFL could somehow provide a tonic for the pain that we're, we're about to endure? Ah, uh, yeah. Look, <clears throat> we're we're fans of the VFL, so I think we're 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 always we're always big on heading down there. I think it just reminds us of, of the days of yore, right? Mm. Big park, loaded, lax uh, alcohol policy, mm. um, kind of sit anywhere, move around. But look, I, I think in these in these years, <laughs> in these dark, dark Collingwood years, and we're certainly entering a sustained period of these dark years, I think it's a relief. It's a, a little bit of a release, right, to get down there and see. Let's face it, like a couple of these kids that are coming through, running around, uh, keep on eye. And I remember when, you know, a couple of years ago, and we'll touch on this guy a little bit later, when when Kale Kirby was like dominating the VFL, oh, yeah. like the leading goal kicker, like that, that was more exciting than mm. going seeing the seniors. Again, it fell across that kind of period, that 2017 period where we were no good. And then going down and kind of seeing the next gen was was sort of like where where the, the where the focus switched to. And then when he eventually got a game in the seniors, like you'd been following this guy for like yeah, it's yeah. narrative building in the sense that you you learn something about these younger players, and you don't care about the score. I mean, how many mm. footy games are we able to go to where you don't care about the score? And how nice is that to watch footy mm. have a can, you know, mm. potentially even stand on top of some cans if you're you know vertically challenged. <laughs> out in the outer in the Bob Rush stand or whatever the hell it's called. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, I think we desperately, what we're desperately lacking with the VFL too is we have a couple of uh, senior players who are, let, let's let's be fair here, not, not really up to scratch at the moment. Mm. And I think there's something very positive about dropping players down to a, a lower level, building up a little bit of self-esteem, building up a little bit of, you know, um, 
you know, a couple of trouncings over like a, a 19 or 18 year old defender, nothing like that, just to boost the spirits and get the form back up before they're then re-injected into the seniors. I think it's really, I think it's really critical at the moment. If you play a bad game for Collingwood, there's literally nowhere to go except for the same team the next week. Look, I agree, but I think it's an optimistic reading of what the VFL is really for. I mean, what the Collingwood Army is probably really after is bloodlust, human mm. sacrifice. <laughs> We've talked about the fury and, and um, mm. damnation being unleashed on Twitter after mm. the last couple of losses. I mean, surely Vic Park could be kind of repurposed into almost a Mayan pyramid whereby the likes of, you know, Truffle mm. Pig and Chris Mayne and Will Hoskin Elliott and everyone else who's copping mm. flack can be mm. led to the top of the pyramid, mm. um, beheaded by Alan McAllister's uh, grandson, uh, whereby the you know the head rolls down onto the turf in front of the um, Bob Rose mm. stand. Uh, look, I love it. I love any type of uh, football beheading. So let's write that down. Let's send that to the Collingwood Football Club. We'll um we'll, we'll keep you updated throughout the year on how that's looking. But hard nose. Did you have a hard no this week? My hard no. This week, and surely, this is, surely you had a hard note this week. Yeah, this was hard to contain into anything less than a uh, you know PhD length thesis. But <laughs> my hard note for this week is the Collingwood time warp. <laughs> now, this is addressed to Collingwood coaches. It's addressed to the selection committee. <laughs> but it's also addressed to all Collingwood people, leaders, recruiters, football department, marketing, <laughs> merchandise. Yes, that's you, Simon Prestigiacomo. <laughs> we are not a kick away from a premiership. <laughs> okay? Like, let's get this out in the open. <laughs> it's been a couple of years, all right? <laughs> Chris Mayne is not, he's no longer a fairy tale story of character <laughs> and persistence. He's not 29 years old and he's going to miraculously fill this crucial role in securing our next premiership. Will Hoskin Elliott is not a dangerous utility with rare aerial ability. Josh Thomas is not in a post-Clenbuterol delayed onset frenzy of productivity. Mm. Dom Sheed is not a nightmare that keeps us up at night. He's just a normal guy from Kalgoorlie of average AFL height and slightly above average AFL ability who kicked a nice goal once. Mm. And we need to accept that. Mm. It's time to adjust to reality. It's not 2018, people. And it's time to start selecting a side that's going to take us into our next premiership window. It's not going to win the last one because that window mm. is closed. And mm. the Collingwood time warp, the longer we deceive ourselves, and look, I'm, I am looking at you, Nathan, but I'm looking at everyone. This is a collective effort to imagine a future where we might contend. Not hold on to the last one. That's my hard uh, no. Interesting. The um, the vitriol on Twitter would maybe suggest that people are past the uh, the glory days window and they're looking at the future and they're not quite happy with the speed at which the future is uh, is coming together. Do you have yeah. Do you have a thought on that? Yeah. Uh, look, perhaps it was. Perhaps I was sorry to, sorry to undo the uh, time warp. <laughs> yes, it just undercut me there, but perhaps I was smearing the hard mm. no a bit too thin when yes. I talked about the Collingwood Army because I know and we all know that we understand innately as Collingwood supporters that mm. it's been time to move on for quite some time and a lot of the frustration broiling up is about the speed of that, not even a reset, but a, a, mm. a reimagining of, of the whole club. Culturally, off the field, 
in terms of the board, we've talked about how we're rudderless, but in terms of team selection and getting the kids in, and that's what we're yeah. going to dive right. into a lot more later. So, look, I, I admit that the Collingwood Army's probably moved on and perhaps the fabric of you know the organisation of the club needs to catch up. Look, that makes a lot of sense. I thought this was the round where... Do you remember last year? Was it last year or two years ago? The Collingwood admin dude switched off the comments on a post. Mm. Do you remember that? I forget. What, I forget what it was when when it was or what it was about. But I felt like this was almost a moment where there was the neutering of the uh, of the Collingwood comment section again. And I, th- I think we're not too far away. Depending actually how we go this week, I, I feel like we're not far away from that level of censorship creeping back into the uh, the Collingwood Football Club, which is going to be a very interesting uh, period. Surely Sorry. the Collingwood marketing people will learn from the Trump situation. If you silence Trump mm. and take him off socials, that hate that hatred and vitriol still exists. Mm. And you don't want a situation where, um, you know, the Bottles furious are thrown at players. Yeah, the furious Collingwood mob is forced to take things into mm. their own hand by <laughs> storming the Lexus Centre. Torched Commodores out the front of the Lexus Centre. That's right, like shitting on Gary Pert's desk, for instance. <laughs> at Melbourne <laughs> or, <laughs> or his former desk. Well, the fury has yeah, no limit. <laughs> they could just start ransacking, ransacking the whole precinct, Amy mm. Park. Same same logic applies. Anyway, no, I know I like it. It, does, it sounds as again just to the back of the shot. It does feel like we're all sitting around on some um, chairs at like in a church group. Let's call it Abbotsford Anonymous. We're all sitting around and we're getting a lot of things off our chest. Mm. Um, this addiction to the Collingwood Football Club has overrun us, and I think we should actually. I think I think it's worth diving into this uh, this therapy theme. Maybe we call it Abbotsford Anonymous, but we might yep. do a, we might do a shout out because we want to hear from our glorious fans and our listeners out there. We want to hear from you guys. Um, maybe get some of your deepest, darkest Collingwood secrets off your chest. Mm-hmm. We'll fi- we'll figure that out. Um, keep an eye on Pie Hard Podcast on Instagram and Twitter for more. I've got a hard no. Yeah. Um, where did I write this down? Oh yeah, it was Collingwood's gastro sub. Now, we've all been tuned in to um, the introduction of the medical sub, uh, and we've been kind of watching it carefully to kind of understand how it's going to play out, what it actually means. Does the injury have to be that severe that the player doesn't play? I think we can get some clarity on that. It's just the doctor just has to rule a player out. And we were trying to understand, well, how would a Mick Malthouse type like use that mm. to his advantage, like, like an interchange rule? And we saw a really interesting um, development uh, on Saturday night when we saw our uh, friend of the pod, Braden Sire, um, leave the ground um, due to illness and not return. Now, let's let's face it, he wasn't playing a great game up until that point, fair to say. So we're a little bit murky and cloudy on the details. We haven't seen a stool sample or anything that would suggest um, mm. That he did have a irritable bowel syndrome or some kind of upset stomach, but it does open the door um, to the misuse, I think, of a medical sub if if an upset stomach can rule a poor performing player out. And maybe we've just uh, I, I don't know. Maybe Braden's still sick. Maybe he's still got the hot water bottle in bed, uh, and he's on the um, he's on the hydrolytes. We're not sure. Look, I think he shat his career out his ass. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, we've been. We've been big supporters of Braden, mm. um, but there's a sense that he's been given some opportunities um, 
He's a limited player, let's be honest. Mm, mm, mm. We like the things he does, but there's not that many things he can do on the field, particularly mm. on the outside of a contest. But he does most of his work off the field, I think. Off That's the field, yeah, like with socials and whatnot. We love that. We love the Bergheim. But I think with Braden, there's an attitudinal perception about him that he's mm. not that invested. We've discussed this, that some players just aren't as invested in premiership success as they used to be. Um, but look, I just hope that Subway doesn't, Force legal action upon us for the gastro sub because when you said gastro sub, I was thinking of a <laughs> you thinking, footlong. You're thinking of footlong, mm, right? <laughs> well, we're not sure. Well, we have no idea what he actually consumed. It could have been a delicious subway footlong, allegedly, hypothetically. Do you, do you think it was a ruse, like a smokescreen? Because the the coaches are making all this song and dance about no, we're not going to exploit the rule. We're going to uphold you know the integrity of what the AFL intended it for, but it just seems really odd. Right, it's kind of it's kind of that messed up that it could be true. Like if it was a ruse, you'd just say tightness. Yeah, because no one's gonna uh, no one's gonna like you know or a str- calf strain, which he's had before. Right, you just you'd sort of lean into like a yeah. common injury. You wouldn't come out with with gastro or whatever it was illness. No, but- uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it is true. As I said at the top of the show, so Collingwood's Twitter resembled LinkedIn. You familiar with LinkedIn? Oh, yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, it looked very much like LinkedIn this week because there was just this stream of fans um, posting the CVs and profiles of almost every potential senior coach in Australia. It was fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So amongst, amongst them, I've written some down, there were the resumes of Sandful coaches. Mm-hmm. Who have been performing at a, at, a, at a high level? Current AFL senior coaches, obviously, a couple mm-hmm. of familiar names. Uh, the unattractive Scott brother, is it? What's his name? They're both a bit hard in the eyes, aren't they, Brad? Well, wh- one looks really. One's got the hair long now and the, the tan. Brad. Well, Chris Brad. has told Brad he can't not allowed to coach again. Okay, not. Oh, well, really? Well, well, Brad was thrown up there. Um, even even the erstwhile Mick Malthouse's name was was kicked around by a couple of people. I think we touched on this in Pie Hard Seven. It was a matter uh, of time. Was, matter of time was before it, Mick is thrown back in the mix. It was it was that the coaching handback, not the coaching handover. That's right. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was really really interesting to see that, and obviously this has all come about because of uh, Nathan, friend of the pod's reluctance and inability to get with the program. But this podcast, this isn't about Nathan. Mm. Uh, not not yet, at least. Um, you can find that at Nathan Hard. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually think, I actually think ditching Nathan Buckley now would be catastrophic, uh, and set and set us further back. We've got no mm. rudder. What happens? That's like mm. per- perking a hole in the hull. Yeah, and we literally have we have no potential caretaker. Like we we literally don't even have no. a caretaker. Oh no, no like, who would, who would be the caretaker? Oh no, we've got Brenton Sanderson. Yeah, well, we've got Brenton Sanderson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alicia Mollick, <laughs> literally no caretaker. Yeah. Now, now we posted this on Twitter yesterday, um, but our lack of leadership, I think, is really starting to hurt the club. And the quicker we appoint a president, mm. the sooner that president can start the process of making the necessary changes. Now, we came out yesterday and Peter Murphy is our man. Peter Murphy should be the next president of Collingwood. Peter Murphy 
if we're going to talk CVs, he was the architect of Collingwood's remarkable comeback in 2018 or turnaround. Mm. Uh, he authored the report. We love a report at Collingwood and delivered the recommendations on the football program that still holds up today. That included hiring external support for Nathan. So acknowledging that Nathan was a good coach, but just needed some support around him, which led to the recruitment of guys like Longmuir, Matthew Boyd, uh, Buddha Hocking, all since departed, sadly. Uh, he rec- recommended set terms for presidents. Uh, I think there were three or four years, which was quickly kiboshed by Eddie at the stage. But again, a, a good recommendation. Um, he restructured the recruiting department and hired more people to come in and support Derek Hine. I think Derek Hine, Decker, was doing too much um, and actually brought some people in to relieve him of a lot of his duties and put him back to just scouting young talent. Ned Sorry. Guy. Ned Guy. Didn't want, to, didn't want to go there, but Ned Guy. Uh, I don't know if he recruited Ned Guy. I think he just said you need to hire someone. More like right? the structural, yeah. It's a it's yeah. a re- review that helped kind of identify some restructural changes yeah. that take place rather than yeah, I th- I, hiring. Yeah, I think, what's his name? Walsh hired Ned Guy, right? The yeah. yeah. The other thing, I'll finish this, but he, he wasn't there at the club when Heredia Lumumba was playing. So mm-hmm. he's kind of got a little bit of distance from the 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 issues that have um, you know, have come to the to the fore uh, lately. And he's an interesting guy. He's an entrepreneur. Mm. He's a business strategist, and he's a philanthropist, mm. which means he's really good at managing sort of like the money and the heart, right? The head mm. and the heart. Uh, he was also general manager of Levi's in Australia, Levi Strauss. Oh, Levi's. So, mm, so, you know, could really give our merchandise uh, and merch guys mm. a kick up the ass with some, like, you know, double double denim type Collingwood setups, which we'd love to see. Or even next level, get the players out there on, say, Anzac Day. Um, they got the Collingwood Guernsey with the Nike oh. swoop and they've got the yeah. long, the, um, the, the ten, den- denim, denim washed Levi's. The shorts. Love it. The denim shorts with the frayed <laughs> edges. Andre Agassi wore denim shorts. Did you know that? You're joking. I think, I think it was in a French Open. He wore Nike denim shorts. I mean, Blame. it just fits, fits perfectly, a yeah. Levi's Nike. So, look, now this appointment, it does need to happen really quickly because, um, well, it allows him, uh, CEO Mark Anderson, friend of the pod, and Graham Wright to kind of set about, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a new report. I think it's just updating the recommendations and, and, and starting to implement some measurements. Uh, measurements uh, from coaching captain appointments to the commercial side like we still need to find replacements for cgu and holden mm-hmm. like that's that's just fallen as the team's completely shat itself that's kind of fallen to the wayside but we we are about to mm. we're already one sponsor deep we're about to be too deep um and look these are very capable individuals i think um who could potentially get some new faces into the board uh, the other thing we love about peter murphy is his well, there's a couple of things. We mentioned the the managing director of Levi's role. His mantra is MAD, M-A-D, make a difference, which is very similar to Dane Swan and Alan Didak's clothing <laughs> brand, SAD. So there's a connection there. Yeah, synergy. He's also believed to be very close to our favorite pie of all time and the presidential apprentice. We are, are of course, talking about uh, fan of the pod, Paula Curia. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Who we definitely see as not, not he's not there yet, um, but he, he's definitely cutting his teeth in the boardroom and will one day rise um, to take this Collingwood Football Club to, to greatness. Mark our words. Only Collingwood board member to 
regularly comment on high hard Instagram posts. Only one, only one that has the balls to 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 post on Pi Hard to engage. The the rest probably have burners, uh, yeah. and they're commenting under aliases. Lecuria is a man. He, he wears he wears his heart on his sleeve when it comes to that, and he's he's just he's just blown off comments left, right, and center. Not only commenting, but persistent hazing of Anthony Pebbles Rocker. <laughs> uh, whenever <laughs> we put up a, a, a post of anything to do with Anthony Rocker, mm. which is a regular occurrence mm. for our listeners, so you obviously see this on the mm. Instagram page. Um, Licker is the first one to jump on mm. um, with laughing emojis, uh, really, really taking the piss of his old mate Pebbles. We love we love that. But, and the, the best thing about that is Pebbles just never bites. No, <laughs> <laughs> he never never responds with a lol or or a smiley wink or a face. Like I'm, I'm not sure he's look. Piehard's not for everyone. Let's just let's just put that out there. Let's put that on the um public record. But that's fine. Piehard, not for everyone. <laughs> Piehard, not for everyone. Tm. Um. So look, it's a small thing. But before we like, everyone's talking about second coaches. Everyone's talking about this. Like let's let's just we we need to start at the top, right? We need to actually address. One of the big issues, and that is we're rudderless. Mm. We have no leadership from the top. But we have a guy who's been there before, who cleaned up the mess, who put us on the straight and narrow. And this is while he was an external supply, external contractor. Someone's then unstitched all of the hard work and we're back down to kind of square one. Mm. But we have we have the guy with an actual track record. I don't know why you'd take a punt on anyone else. I don't know why you'd go external. I don't know why you'd get anyone else who's on the board at the moment to take this role when you have a guy that's sort of like a little bit clean, hasn't been kind of smeared with the the Collingwood of 10 years ago and has, you know, actually dug us out of a hole before. I think it just makes total sense. But for whatever reason, we, we haven't made a move on that yet. Um, and it's so opaque, the process. I don't, you know, the members don't have a say. I mean, I don't know. We don't, we have no idea what's going on. I mean, we've said a billion times a rudderless, but we're not getting any uh, communication updates. I don't know. There's so, there's so much uh, that I don't know. I don't know really what the kind of relative roles of, maybe you can answer this, mm-hmm. the president would be compared to the CEO. The president's a, a volunteer position, isn't it? A figurehead. Yeah, I think so. But they're obviously important on the board. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just don't know what's going on. Uh, what, for instance, I guess my question is this: Why didn't they just uh, appoint someone like Murphy straight off the bat? What's the knock on him? Is there any dirt on him? No, I think I think there's I think he's I think there's um it's like Survivor, right? You know the Survivor show. So mm. there's there's a, a lot of people on the board who are going for the the chalice. Who want who want the God, prize? Yeah. Who, who 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 consider themselves to be the next in line? I think Mark Quarters definitely one who's like locking horns. So I I don't think I think if it comes to a vote, right? If the board votes, mm. it could be it could be all square. Yeah. Um. So I I don't know. That's my that's my um that's my understanding of how the machinations of board level calling would work. But that would make the most sense to me. Perhaps we could do a pie hard broadcast from the tribal council out mm. there in the middle of um. It's not Gosh's paddock. What do they call the uh, oval? Lexus oval? Lexus yeah. Bob Rose oval? The motor dome. That's it. Um, <laughs> there's a tribal council with flaming, um, you know, anti-mosquito lamps uh, mm. around it with <laughs> Corder versus Murphy mm, 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 and Lecuria just laughing in the, mm. in the, in the shadows. Mm. And we make a vote. I love it. Like, that's, let's do it. Tribal council, Collingwood president. Let's just do it soon, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so that's how we'd fix Collingwood. Um, but we thought um, we would reach out to, to some people we know. Mm. And look, it's great to get, it is great to get the perspective of everyone who listens to Pie Hard and everyone who follows us on socials. But we think it's also important to get a perspective of people who don't know what socials are and um, don't mm. listen to, to this because they're really not interested in, in what um, their sons do. And I'm, of course, I'm talking about our, our dads, um, who we think are the longest suffering Collingwood supporters we know. We think we've had it bad in the 30-something years that we've been um, on this earth watching this team. But they've really, I mean, they've really copped it hard. So mm-hmm. I might start with with your dad, maybe a quick introduction. And if you can just set up the question that we asked our, our parents, our fathers. Yeah, look, we reached out to the old fellas and asked if they were installed as Collingwood president, what's the one thing they'd change? And as you mentioned, having lived through the ups and downs of many decades of you know being Collingwood supporters, it was interesting to get that perspective. And here's George, um, who is uh, 70-odd going on 29. Mm. Um, you, you owe me one for that, Dad. I am disillusioned with the club, the coach and the team. Any hope Eddie's departure would lead to a solution has been lost in a morass of underperformance. We have proved to be unprofessional as a club and a team. There does not appear to be a football candidate for the position of president or the board. And whilst we have representatives of both the big end of town and minorities, where is the football leadership? My immediate response to our situation is to get rid of both the accountants and those with alternative agendas and wake up to the fact that it is a football club. Players must be told in no uncertain terms that we, the members, are not content with their attitude of having succeeded just because they're in the team. We demand success on the scoreboard and the ladder and should wield the knife where there is no less than 100% input. Better to lose with a committed team than to continue to to wimp out. Wow. Damn. Whack. Yeah. Savage. Interestingly, You don't hear that on um, footy classified, do you? Interestingly, like on Pie Hard, you mean you certainly, Damien, you've mentioned previously that perhaps the football people or the Collingwood people aren't really the way to go. Like we need good administrators. But this is the opposite opinion. Mm. This is like people have kind of taken over, you know, the ship. Um, mm. People who don't understand the, the mechanics of, of footy and how to make a good footy team and how to get people mm. committed and motivated inside the football department. So that's it. That's a pretty big whack. I was trying to unpack all that. So there was also a stern. So so accountants, accountants be gone. Yeah. Um, everyone who's non-committed, players. Wow, damn. Was that a text message or an email? <laughs> it's a short essay. Uh, yeah. Via text. Fantastic. Well, maybe we could post that somewhere. Look, I, I reached out to Wayne, also uh, also around the seventy mark. I won't I won't reveal his true age. Probably wouldn't like that. Well, he's not going to listen to this. Seventy. Um, <clears throat> he he just he just responded quite quite short and succinct. Replace the person responsible for exceeding our salary cap by two million. Now, <laughs> no names, no names were mentioned. Just the the. the um, just, I love it how succinct that is. But it was blunt, wasn't it? And the men- the mention of two million just to underscore. Well, no, no mention. Yeah, you know, there, there's a part of me thinks that that fact, 
that factoid has gone under the radar a little bit. Like, mm. you know, there's those of us out there in Collingwood, you know, Maggie land that say, oh, oh no, it's okay. We, we got rid of these players because we had to clear up space and now we've got a new crop of draftees who, you know, by the way, we're not playing. Um, <laughs> but, and they kind of like want to, people just want to move on really quickly. My opinion is that that's going to come back and bite some people. And I reckon Wayne's onto something. Like, hang on a second. Like, whoa up. Like, wait up. Like, we exceeded our – what is it, fucking, like, Excel spreadsheet error? Like, we exceeded our spre- – how do you, how do, you even do that? Wrong formula. I do that every day. <laughs> Don't copy and paste. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, do you think that um, – I mean, who are we talking about? I mean, should we name names? Maybe that's a bit too incendiary, but – Well, let's not. Let's not because without going back to this – again, we didn't write this. This was, this was Wayne Miller. Um, yeah, we won't name names, but we, we can probably harbour a guess um, for whoever's responsible for our salary cap and um, and those contracts. But it's, Look, shrewd, what it's, I will, it's just a shrewd move. What I will say, I think that Wayne's reply goes to the heart of what, what I went to with the hard no, is that mm. let's get our head out, head out of our ass and stop pretending it's 2018. Because mm. the genesis of a lot of the issues at the club now is that in 2018, within a kick of the premiership, we then made a series of decisions which got us into trouble. And one of those decisions was we're so fucking close to the premiership, let's double down on like mm. back-ending contracts, keeping the team together, we've got everyone we need. Mm. And that historically, like, you know, we, we can now see the proof is in the pudding. That was, a wrong, that was the wrong rein to pull. Mm. So, look, we could talk about that all day, but I appreciate Wayne's answer. Interesting that none of our... Um... None of our fathers touched on the play, the youth angle, uh, which I thought may have come up. Uh, your, your dad sort of did. He kind of touched on it by um, digging the knife into underperforming players. But I know that the youth angle has been an area that you've been exploring for the last two weeks. And I'd love to get your insight into just how you see that playing out for the Collingwood Football Club in 2021 and beyond. Let's be under no illusions. There's no, there's been no real incentive for Nathan Buckley to play the kids. He's doesn't have a contract for next year. For a coach that doesn't have a contract next year and is reliant for the continuation of their career to get results now, where's the incentive to go through some pain in blooding kids, um, getting them used to, you know, the AFL, potentially uh, deferring some success in order to to build a team which is going to challenge at a later date. There's no incentive for Bucks. And so I, I do understand like rationally that he's gone through and weighed up you know, with the selection committee, which are just made up of mostly yes men like Sanderson, that mm. we need to like give this roll of a dice with this group one more time and just see where we can get because we've still got a lot of talent on the list. So he's really kind of like milked it. He's really milking that team that 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 kind of challenge for the 2018 flag. But what we're really talking about here is why should we be pursuing a youth policy? And in my mind, there's different types of clubs. There's clubs that are selling a narrative that the members, the players, and everyone in the fabric of the club is buying, and there's those that don't have a narrative and they're floundering. And if you look at teams like the Swans who are playing, have developed some young, exciting youth and are playing them, Fremantle, even bloody Essendon, 
has managed to sell this this a, a bit of a sense that they're developing for a push. Mm-hmm. They're not expecting massive things this year. We don't have any narrative. We don't have any idea about whether we're trying to like with our selection, we're trying to maintain uh, the success that we've enjoyed in, in previous seasons, or whether we're trying to push for something new. Whether our game plan plan is changing, we're rudderless. And so, youth policy—it's a massive um, change of approach, and it's time. So, as a supporter and as a member, what are you? What's a pass mark for this game in terms of? bringing kids in is it a number or do you just want to you literally just want to see one because it it'll happen i mean buckley's already flagged that he flagged that in the post post-match conference we've had a couple of injuries filtered through what are you looking for specifically i'd like three debutants plus mccreary just go for it fuck i mean the mm. the, the taylor adams situation um i think that gives us a license like this guy's probably our next captain although on this pod we suggest that Darcy Moore will be in the mix. Mm. But um, it gives us an opportunity to go like, look, we are in a situation where seasons hang by a thread. It's a backs against the wall, nothing to lose situation, which we like. Let's just blood some kids, um, you know, get over there to the West, stick it up that West Australian newspaper that called us Dirty Pies Mm. um, and, and lose by 36 points. I was looking at some, you know, I started off researching this pod by just, sort of looking at some positives with this team and in line with the youth policy theme, uh, I think we have like 12 or 13 untried kids to experiment with, which is pretty good. So these are kids that have been drafted over the last two or three years. I think it starts at Murphy and it goes right up to the to the latest crop who have maybe played a game or two, but are largely untried or unseen at senior level. Mm. So we've got a big pool to pull from, and I think we need to, um, you know, almost on every line, I think three is pretty bang on. I think almost every line, even our defense, which you'd say is pretty much our back line is as good as any in the competition. We should be, you know, inject, whether it's that keen guy, I don't know if he's even fit, like Trent he's coming back from injury. We, Murphy, definitely. We need to start introducing these people. And I'm sorry, Madge, I know you played a brilliant game, mate, but you're, you're the one to step aside for these kids coming through. Because if we don't put five or six or seven games into these guys this year and there's an injury or, you know, we enter the season next year, we've, we're, we've, we've, got no, we've got no energy coming into the side. I think, look, Brody Grundy's only 26. Mm. He's copping a lot of shit at the moment, Brody Grundy, for underperforming and his contract is, is part of every narrative that's ever, ever discussed. But Jolly was like 30 when we won that flag in, mm. in 2010. I think he was 29, actually. He was a journeyman. He'd played at like three clubs. The, uh, the upside for Grundy at 26, like I, I would say, you know, a lot of Ruckman don't really come into their, their most dominant, um, you know, kind of era until they turn like 28, right? 28 to 30 yeah. uh, is huge. Look, we've got Nick Dacos coming in. We've got the cap space to go after a free agent. I think we do anyway to, to kind of top it up. It's not all doom and gloom on the Collingwood front, but there's definitely some big areas that need to be addressed and, and game plan is one, but not getting those kids in is, is, is suicide. Yeah, and I think you're right to, to identify those players that are going to take us forward. Who look? L- let's call a spade a spade. Like who's going to be in the next premiership? You know, and you look at the likes of for me, Darcy Moore, Dugowie, Grundy. These guys, if we're lucky, we play in big finals in their early thirties as the, mm-hmm. as the senior leadership veterans of the club. I mean, 
yeah, of course we all want to flag next year, but that's not the trajectory it takes time to build, and clubs have gone past us. But yeah, why can't these guys be that that senior level of the club in their late career helping us win a flag? Which begs the question, okay, well then what's the rest of the team if those guys are, are veterans? And I had a look back at some of the drafts and I think that the speed with which a club is able to reset after a grand final appearance and mm. get on with the business of generating uh, youth and playing kids, the better we you know, and the better we fare in the long term. And you look at 2003 grand final, which we lost to Brisbane. In 2003, we draft Heath Shaw. 2004, we draft Travis Cloak and others. I'm not mentioning everybody. 2005, draft Thomas and Pendlebury. 2006, Ben Reid, Nathan Brown, Chris Dawes, Tyson Goldsack. So there you've got like the three years after a grand final appearance, you've got what essentially ends up being a nucleus for the next flag tilt. But then, then those names need that five to seven years to develop into like, you know, core players within the club. And again, mm. 2011 grand final, mm. we lose to Geelong. In 2012, we recruit Brody Grundy. 2013, your favourite Sharon Berg, Tom Langdon as well, and Freeman didn't work out so well. 2014, Dugowie, Moore, Maynard, and then of course we had another tilt in 2018, which is roughly five years later. So mm. there's there's a cycle here. Mm, cyclical, yeah. Yeah, and this period now, we need to be clear, is about generating uh, and giving experience to those players who are going to take us into that next cycle. And some of those names we don't know yet. You know, some of them are about to come to the club like Nick Dacos. Some of those names, hopefully, we do know because they will be the veterans, as I discussed with Moore and Co. What I would love to see on the weekend, Optus Oval is a big ground. Mm. I would love to see us throw a debut to someone like this Rantel guy, like one of one of our best like young runners, stick them on a wing and just tell them to just run all day like an Ed Langdon for Melbourne type, right? Just up and back as fast as you can, grab the ball, <laughs> run. If you get caught, it doesn't matter. Take it on. We're we're changing things up. We're about speed. We're about surprise and we're about, you know, running the pants off our, our opponent. Now, if you're a 19-year-old kid with a fast PB, that should be a piece of cake. That's like literally the only thing you do. I don't care about the disposal. I don't care about anything. Just grab the ball, tuck it under the arm and run on the expanses of Optus Oval. Optus Oval, let us see. Let us see some youth and enthusiasm with the ball, like like we're seeing with Quainor. Like Quainor is a great example. We didn't see it on the on the weekend because he was playing some bizarre role. But you know when Quainor came on and took the game on and sort of grabbed the ball and ran, it's like shit. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's what that's what other teams do. That's what that's what good teams do. It's like I think the game has evolved now with the new rule to being one where fast footy, you know, this basketball kind of you know up and down style of play is starting to pay dividend for teams like Sydney and Adelaide and Melbourne. And like, we should be in a position where we're, we're like, as a club, we've played four rounds. We've sat back. We've seen what is actually working. We know the clubs that have nailed it and are getting it right. Like there's no harm in replicating that style of football, but to do that, and we're not going to get it right by playing kids. There's going to be a lot of mistakes, obviously, but bring in the kids that can execute a game plan, which is, fast speed kick it in i think we're still going to have issues with our forward line clearly but 
you know, wouldn't that wouldn't that make it a more enjoyable game of football to watch? I agree. In Sam Murray. <laughs> Take him on, boy. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. Like Quainer on the weekend, he was given a big job on Toby Green and, and I think he, he's still learning how to balance the defensive side of his game with that attacking flair. Mm. But I mean, I think it's interesting, Damo, what you said about, you know, the game's changing and we see it with other clubs. And this is one of my this is one of the things that kind of gets my goat a little bit. I was, you know, Piehard did a post in recent in the last couple of weeks, which perhaps was a bit tongue tongue in cheek, but you remember the senior coach checklist, Damo? Mm, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. So the checklist was comes from outside the Collingwood bubble, has coached a premiership, is a marquee name who can attract opposition players and coaches, hates long sleeves, hard edge with a point to prove, experience regenerating list, plays guitar. <laughs> Tick. Which I, if you live under a rock, you might not know who that is. But I was having a look at Clarkson during the week and there's one thing that's kind of stood out when I was looking into both his contract situation because, look, he may end up being in the mix for the Collingwood job. And I was reading an article from, oh, I reckon it was a year or so ago, and he said, what's his first name? Clarkson, the mighty boy driver. What's his Alistair. name? Alistair. Alistair Clarkson. Quote, but I'm still loving what I do and I'm enormously excited with the challenge of this next little wave we've got to try and ride. It's going to be a tough wave to ride, but there's a new frontier with our footy club and there's a new frontier with the game, with new rules and quicker ball movement. Can we get at the forefront of it? Don't know. We've been able to do it in the past. It's not to say we'll be able to do it again, but I'm excited by the challenge and so are our players. The thing that stood out to me about that from Clarkson was, can we get at the the forefront of the changing game? Don't know. We've been able to do it in the past. Here's a recognition that, like, clubs that end up being premiership clubs and even more so clubs that have dynasties, they actually get the jump on the league and they end up being the trendsetters. And they're, like, in in the context of the game at the moment, with fast ball movement and this new man-of-the-mark rule and playing kids and, like, attacking and and letting, letting players play, we haven't seen a quick adaptation from our club to that whole change. And no. we just, the sense is that Nathan's reactive, not proactive. We, we're not, we, we, we've never looked, put it this way, when's the last time Collingwood looked like trendsetters in terms of being at the forefront of strategy, of some kind of strategic advantage? Can you think of? Yeah, it was, it was definitely like 2009, 2008, 2009. Right, the uh, the rotations and the exactly my thought. We the Rommel, the Rommel. Yeah, the frontal pressure, all that. But Malthouse went with a deep midfield who would like play for like five seconds each with like Dane Dane Swan. Didn't matter Hmm. how how many drinks he'd had, revolve the night before because he's playing such short stints and just on and off the bench, capitalising. Some would say exploiting the rotations, which they've since brought back but we haven't been the bloody since that time like Mm. nathan buckley's entire tenure as coach we've never been pioneers at the forefront of whatever's happening in the afl we seem Mm. reactive we don't seem proactive and this more recently like our selection policy seems to seems to confirm that you're so right what was that i just dropped my water bottle in a in a thumping thumping the table in disgust even 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 the surge up the ladder ladder in 2018 that wasn't because of some form of like 
you know, strategic advantage. It was just, it was soul and spirit, wasn't it? It was mm. just players connecting <laughs> and, and having a good time and playing for one another and, and moving with this, this greater spirit that was kind of injected in with all this, you know, yeah. talk of Japanese pottery. <laughs> um, that's right, but you know, even then, it it wasn't like we we landed on a on a on a robust game plan that put us ahead of the competition. It just sort of all clicked. Well, we were we're playing more addict, uh, attacking footy. We thought the swoop mm. squad was a little bit of like that blueprint, like something that right. we're doing that clubs that's had right. to match. No, actually, yeah, the swoop right. squad was like a whole bunch of small, medium type, small, medium sized forwards who opposition teams couldn't cover. No, but that's fair. That was yeah, short lived. No, but I, I totally agree with you. Like we, it was it was kind of like teasing at maybe we've got this new game plan which is going to take the position the competition by storm. But it never, never really functioned for very long, as we know. Like our forward line is our Achilles heel now, and we're like two years down the track with the same players. Collingwood's been like a carpet bag steak, like a seventies style mm. recipe. If you don't know what that is, it's where you, you slit the steak in the side and you in, you stuff it with oysters mm. you had one of those it went out of no i know I've, I've i've seen it i've seen it went out of fashion in about horrible. 1978 collingwood's like a cover warm, bag i don't like steak. warm oysters I don't like warm oysters competition is has been eating poke bowls the last couple mm. of years it's fresh it's a combination <laughs> cultural combination of flavors and it's healthy it's an, air, it's an air fryer isn't it it's an air fryer it's healthy everyone's talking about it it's healthy get on board got one more segment now look if you are pissed off if you're out there listening and you're pissed off with the current state of the Collingwood Football Club we got you let us take you back let's take you back in time to a a a simpler time yeah a time where you could um find your way into the Collingwood team maybe not add too much but you know there was there was an element of playing kids now we did put a call out about a week ago we ran our first giveaway it was for a Pie Hard Sticker Pack, high-quality stickers. They have all been posted out, so if you are successful, congratulations. But we did ask a question, and we thought it was probably pertinent just to cover this off and, and, and revisit because we got some amazing responses from, from you guys. Now, the question we asked was to tell us uh, who was your all-time favorite magpie to have played less than 50 games and why? Uh, so they could have played one game. They could have played 50 but we wanted to hear from you guys about some of the some of the magpies that maybe got a start but never kicked on, and and why you like them. So we're gonna we're gonna cover off a few. I think we're gonna cover off our favourites. They were all great responses, and thank you so much to everyone who um who hit us up. Uh, we're gonna do more of these in the future. But Al, do you want to kick off with uh, I guess your first favourite, Fritsch Snitz, at at Fritsch Snitz, at Fritsch Snitz. His answer is Damien Adkins, a.k.a. Chipper, his favourite game uh, pie to have played less than 50 games. Fritz Snitz says, weighed even less than Brad Dick when he was drafted from Gippsland in 2000, approximately 34 kilos, but managed to hit the roids hard to increase his <laughs> playing weight to 74 kilograms approximately. Had an absolutely cracking 2000, year 2000, zipping across the park and kicking goals on the run. Telstra Dome, Colonial Stadium, specialist do you remember damien 
Adkins? I do. I remember every Collingwood name Damien for obvious reasons. But I remember I remember he um blonde sandy hair. Mm. I think occasionally would wear the knitted long sleeve. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't recall the Gippsland tag, but one thing about Damien Adkins is I think I shared this maybe last year, but he's in this video. He's like a real estate agent now. He does like commercial real estate. Okay. And he did this really kind of great cheesy YouTube video. We should share this. Um, of him like in a suit trying to sell a property and I think he's kicking a football around. It's it's magnificent. Look it up. I think it's Damien Adkins Colliers International or something like that. But yeah, I do remember Damien Adkins. I, I can distinctly remember the nickname Chipper as well, but she's a good looking player. I'm just looking at him now actually. He's a bloody good looking player. He went on to play for, he was traded to West Coast, I think. So how many games did he play for Collingwood? Played 22. That's okay. a good number. That's a good, good even number. Two thousand, two thousand and two. Missed out on a on a on a grand final. Chipper. Let's go to the next one. The next one came from at Crackers one three four. Shout out to you uh, at Crackers one three four. This is a bit of a blast from the past. This one goes way back. So Justin Staritsky. Who? Now this is uh, Crackers' words. Saw him tear it up in the reserves week after week in nineteen ninety four. Was excited uh, for his Collingwood debut in round ten at Vic Park. Lethal Lee kept him on the bench until the last few minutes, dropped him the next week, one game, no possessions for the Pies, and then Mix jumped in underneath and said, could have been anything. <laughs> Justin Staritsky. Have you heard of Justin Staritsky? Can't say I have, but it does bring memories back of an era when um, being, you know, being put on the bench was being dragged. Mm. And um, players could be on the pine for... Entire games. And Pre-rotation, what, wasn't it? Yeah. What a, imagine his family's there to watch him debut and um, not the spectacle they hoped for. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right. So I've got um, Thomas Moorhead has come out with uh, his favourite sub-50 game magpie, Lachlan Keefe, for the Clombuterol scandal with Josh Thomas. Brought some of the romance and emotion of elite cycling to the Lexus Centre without the equivalent level of talent and determination that your Alberto Contador types brought to their sport. <laughs> so that's pretty harsh. But... Deep. No, it's, it's, it's good, but we like that. But look, shout out to, um, thank you, at Thomas Mohead, um, and shout out to Lachlan Keefe for still getting round. He was out there on Saturday night. You know, he's crafted a little bit of a career out of, uh, out of a clenbuterol haze, and yeah, we love actually... that. Yeah, he's actually... It's beautiful. And I rate him. I've always... He was one of those players. We love it. AFL supporters love and commentators love being able to reference when a player played another sport. Remember when Keith come in, he was a soccer player? That's right. And goalkeeper, was he? Maybe. But I always thought like he had that. He always looked to kind of switch sideways. I actually thought his skills were neat. He tried hard. He had a bit of height around him. I always backed him. I was like, this guy's going to be all right. You look mm. at him play for GWS today. He's actually, I would say, a very capable contributor. So good on yeah, you. Yes. Well done, Lachlan. Uh, next is a is an old friend of the pod uh, at CFC underscore eighteen ninety two. Shout out to you, mate. Um, Gone with the great Jack Anthony, number nine, an absolute dead eye dick. Never missed. It's true, right? He never missed. You yeah. remember that? Well, yeah, I was playing footy still back then, and I looked up. Yeah. I think Collingwood Media did a segment where they got Jack Anthony to, they recorded him doing his goal routine and talking through it like mm. a, um, you know, masterclass. 
All right. And I still remember he took seven steps. He always, you know, from the like launching from the same foot, just this replicable routine. And I actually mm. took on his routine um, mm. in games, but I couldn't really get the ball and I couldn't couldn't keep, keep hit a barn door. But Right. He played 43. So, so CSC underscore 1892 goes on to say he played 43 games in the black and white, 80 goals, 43 behinds. Uh, gets us into the prelim in 09 off his own boot. The Crow Eaters said they were robbed. I'll tell you, he was essential pie hard, and I don't mean to be that guy, but Lord, pick a brother, because these are all going on the car. So if you do have a photo of your car laden with uh, pie hard stickers, CFC underscore 1892, send them in, brother. We'd love to see them. You got another one? Yeah, this is one of our favorites. Let's do two more. Hesse mate writes in, Kale Kirby has to be the favorite every day of the week. The man plays one game, the final game of 2017, the game we saw the first glimpse of 2018 Collingwood, knocking Melbourne out of the finals. Mm. Revenge for Queen's birthday that year, when if we'd won, we would have been in the eight. Kirby, the symbol of new hope, new beginnings, a new chapter for the club. Could have been anything. He was special, wasn't he, Kirby? Kick it to the curb. <laughs> Kick it to the curb. He had Kick a, it to the curb. He had a presence, a physical presence about him, you could say. The greatest, the greatest ever anecdote about Kale Kirby was on the Collingwood Football Club website when they asked him, interviewed him about being drafted or being selected for Collingwood. And he said he was in a pub with his family um, listening as the names were being read out. Um, and his name was read out and he turned around looking you know, for his family and they were all in the pokey section um, of the pub. Uh, oh, playing the pokies, so I had to run in and, and sort of fill them in, fill in the blanks. But um, instant cult favorite after that, instant cult favorite. And geez, don't we love someone who can kick a goal? Oh my god! One, one last one was uh, at sometime MJM one. Let's call him Mick Sean Rosling. Sean Rosling is we get a lot of we get a lot of notes about Sean Rosling. He was definitely he's definitely seen as p- perhaps the the guy that could have been for the Collingwood Football Club. So Mick goes on to say, this guy was a sprinter. He was unstoppable on a lead and a great kick for goal. Unfortunately, his shoulders were looser than a beep. Might have to beep that one out for uh, legal reasons Mm -hmm. um, at the end. Uh, Slightly unsavory, but obviously, sadly, um, this guy had chronic shoulder injuries and could just never capture it. But, geez, I remember him. I remember actually seeing Sean Rosling on a couple of at Collingwood clips. Clips. Mm. Um, and just reminiscing about how compact and 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 clean this guy looked. It was, my, it was actually really impressive. My memory is that he'd always mark the ball within 30 metres of goal with these short, incredibly powerful leads. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, he could have been anything. Hopefully, well, he probably doesn't qualify for father-son, does he? But maybe there's a Sean Rusling Jr. sometime in the future. Okay, so that was your favourite 50 games or less magpies, and we've got to agree there's some great magpies in that mix. We have one to add, and I'm surprised this guy wasn't mentioned. His name's Dwayne Griffin, and I'm going to read out an excerpt from the Collingwood Football Club website written by the great Glenn McFarlane. The headline is, The Day Diana Died. Dwayne Griffin will never forget his one AFL game, and it won't be the fact that he got through the match without having a touch all day but the match will forever be recalled because it was the day that Princess Diana died. The game was against North Melbourne in round 22, 1997, and a Paul fell across the MCG that day, 
when it was announced, probably by voice of the G, that Diana had been killed following a car accident in the city of Love, Paris. Griffin played two previous seasons with Swan Districts before returning to that club after a short stint with Collingwood. He would play more than 100 games for the Waffle Club and won their best and fairest in 2002. Shout out to uh, Dwayne Griffin. Yeah. favourite 50 games or less magpie. Dwayne, I remember that game. I've got very clear memories of that game because I was at the MCG. Was it North Melbourne? It was North Melbourne, yes. Yeah, I was at the MCG with a mate and his dad because mm. I was at a, the age where, you know, you'd go uh, often with par- parental figures. Mm. And the Princess Diana thing came up at, on the scoreboard during the game. Mm. And I reckon it was half time. I wasn't upset because I didn't know much about the royal family, but the dad of my mate promptly dragged us home at half time because Diana and Really? Died. You're kidding. He aborted the game. Wow. This is not the time to be playing a match of football type type response, right? Yeah, exactly. If you were at that North Melbourne game and you remember um the announcement of Princess Diana um, and you were dragged home at halftime, or maybe you weren't dragged home at halftime, let us know your reactions um, at Pie Hard Podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for listening to um, Pie Hard Podcast. Keep an eye out for, what do we call it? Abbotsford Anonymous. Mm, so we'll, yeah. launch, we'll launch Abbotsford Anonymous um, throughout the week. Um, look, we, we've got you back. We're, we're, we're going to bring some nostalgia back. If it gets a little bit, of t- a little bit tough throughout the year, don't worry. We're... Um, we're going to lean into some um, some Collingwood favourite stories. We're going to bring you the culture. We're going to keep the finger on the pulse when it comes to making sure that the Collingwood Football Club is holding up its end of the bargain. Win, lose or draw, let's just see some some running up a wing, up one of the wings. Let's let's see some uh, youth. And we might take it out with a special song. Uh, this one goes out to Nathan. We hope you're listening. It is uh, The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston. <laughs> Children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's Searching for a hero People need someone to look up